Hey everyone, welcome to City Church OTR's Sermons Podcast. Here you will find all of the sermons and teachings that are given at our Sunday services. We also have our original City Church OTR podcast, which has more conversations, interviews, and more interactive content. As always, we would love to meet you. Check out our Instagram to see what we're doing this week and our website, citychurchotr.com, to meet one of our pastors. Enjoy. holy moment, one glorious exchange, my whole existence changed. An angel of Yahweh in my presence with news of a miracle, news of a king. This is Yahweh's delight over me. But I am young and unmarried and I am terrified and troubled and yet I am exhilarated, buzzing with divine anticipation. A child, a baby boy born of the Holy Spirit, through my womb, my humanity chosen to carry life of all life, the Son of God. I sit with this news and my soul is overflowing, bursting with great joy and praise, sought by Yahweh's tender gaze, a girl of no status, a servant. The Lord has found favor with me, echoing the mercy of the Mighty One. Holy is his name. This mercy, like a kiss from one generation to the next, promise and power flow from the heart of Yahweh. He lifts the lowly and feeds the hungry. Promise keeper from Abraham to all his descendants forever. A child, a baby boy, a king, a savior, who is life, who is hope, who is love, who is mercy, who is Jesus. Good morning, friends, and welcome to City Church OTR. Uh, My name is Tyler. I am one of the pastors here, and I am so glad that you decided to be here this morning. And a special greeting to our folks tuning in online. Hello, I cannot see you, but I trust that you can see me, and we are glad that you are here as well. You know, there is always a place for you at City Church OTR because this church is a church for everyone. Uh, for the young and the young at heart, for those who have what they need and those who don't, for those who feel like they're on the top of the world, and for those who feel the weight of the world on their shoulders. And this morning, we're going to be spending our time exploring the life of a teenage girl whose world turned upside down when she received some unbelievable news. In fact, the poem we just heard from Abby is an original work uh, that gives us a window into this teenage girl's heart and mind and spirit. You see, this morning, we're beginning the Christmas season. We're diving into the Christmas story, and it is the story that shapes all stories, the story of God entering time and space, stepping into the world that he created as a baby. In this story, it's been told most famously over the centuries by a few different people. Uh, It's been told famously by Mark, who like interviewed Peter, who was one of Jesus' close followers and got an account of Jesus' life. It's been told famously by Matthew, who wrote an account of Jesus' life for a bunch of his Jewish friends. It's been told by this guy, Luke, who was a physician turned historian who documented Jesus' life and thoroughly investigated it. And by John, 
who is Jesus's best friend. But this Christmas, at our church, we're turning our attention to a different cast of characters, uh, to a whole other group of people. Throughout the month of December, we'll be learning about the Christmas story from Mary, Jesus' mother, that's today, from Simeon, an old man who eagerly awaited the arrival of a baby who had changed the whole world, and by Caesar Augustus, uh, a ruler of a massive empire who had no idea that something incredible was happening in a distant corner of his empire. Uh, but today we begin with the gospel according to Mary. The Christmas story is told by Jesus's mother, the good news that came first to a teenage girl in Palestine that God was about to do something radical in the world. And as we prepare to dive into Mary's story, I want you to know that Mary's message, the good news that she has to share, uh, the big lesson that she learned from God over a lifetime is for anyone who's ever felt like they're nothing special. It's for anyone who's ever been overwhelmed with concern or paralyzed by fear. It's for anyone who's been gossiped about, uh, who's been marginalized, who's been misunderstood. It's a message for those who haven't been the center of attention. Uh, it's a message for those who felt like they don't have what it takes. Uh, simply put, Mary has a message of encouragement, a word of comfort, a testimony of hope for anyone who feels like their life has little consequence, that they don't really matter, that they could never make a big difference. So if you've ever been there, or if you're there right now, I'm here to tell you that Mary has some good news for you. Because Mary is a girl we were never supposed to hear about. I mean, statistically speaking, Mary should have married humbly. She should have had a lot of poor children. Uh, she should have never traveled more than a few miles from home, and she should have died without any notoriety. I mean, that's what social science of her day would say. She came from an out-of-the-way town called Nazareth. She was born into a family with little resources. She was born into the wrong gender and at the wrong address to have any ability to make a real difference in her world and her society. Nobody knew her name, and yet God, God saw her and God chose her. And she became the first person on earth to know that God was about to do something extraordinary in the world that he made. And so I'm excited for us to engage her story together, and I want us to see it from the scriptures. Uh, and so Mary's story, it's found most fully in the Gospel of Luke. So if you have a Bible with you, would you make your way to Luke chapter 1? Uh, we'll begin in verse 26, Luke 1. There we read in Luke 1, 26, that God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph. Joseph was a descendant of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. So here's what's happening. After 400 years of silence, after four centuries where God's people hadn't heard a word from God, there was no word from a prophet, there was no appointed leader over Israel, after decade after decade of God consciously choosing not to speak to his people, uh, God shows up and he sends a messenger to a teenage girl in a patriarchal society. Uh, because that's just how God works. He often surprises us. So he sends this messenger to Mary, and the text tells us that Mary wasn't sure what to do at first. In fact, in verse 29, we read that Mary was greatly troubled at the angel's words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. 
I've got to tell you, I like really love this detail because it reminds me that the people we read about in the Bible, the people that we encounter in the pages of scripture, they're real people. Uh, people just like us, regular people with honest responses. An angel shows up and says, greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. And Mary thinks, okay, like, who are you? And what is it you want? And what is this going to mean with me? What's the big catch that's coming? And the angel tells her in verse 30, well, don't be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary learns that God has a big plan for her. She's been chosen to be the mother of a baby boy, a boy named Jesus, who's going to come to rule as David ruled over Israel, as a great king, who's going to come to reign over Jacob's descendants, over God's people that he set apart thousands of years before. This baby boy who's special, the angel says, is going to preside ultimately over a kingdom that has no end going to be unlike anything the world has ever seen, but Mary is a bit confused. See, not everything adds up for her, because we read in verse 34, she says, well, how will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? Okay, uh-oh. Uh, Mary names the elephant in the room. She says, so let me get this straight. You're telling me that I'm going to be a mom, that this like child who's going to change the whole world is going to be born to me. But here's the thing. As far as I'm aware, there's like no way that I can be pregnant. Um, I don't know how things work in angel world, Gabriel, but here on earth uh, in human world, I'm telling you like I'm what you call a virgin, which means there's no way I'm going to have a baby. Now, at this point in the story, I should probably pause and I should acknowledge that Mary's question, how can this be since I am a virgin, is probably a question shared by many in this room. I mean, how can this be? How, how could that even happen? A virgin birth? I mean, that's outrageous. That's impossible. That's something that maybe first century people cooked up and maybe they believed it, but modern people, any self-respecting, intelligent person, like, we can't really embrace that, can we? And here's what I'd like to say about that. The virgin birth of Mary is hardly the strangest thing that Christians believe. In fact, the Christian faith rises and falls on the claim that Mary's son, Jesus, died and rose again three days later. And without Jesus' resurrection, Paul, like the most famous early Christian, without Jesus' resurrection, Paul says that there is no Christianity. In fact, his word for it in a letter he wrote to the Corinthians, he says, without the resurrection, the whole thing is useless. Right? That's Paul's word, not mine. So if a virgin birth is a little weird to you, hey, I get it. You know, I've never seen one personally. I don't think it's something that happens that frequently or happens every day. Uh, but neither is resurrection. And there are some things central to the Christian faith that don't make sense at first, but I think make all the difference. So I wanted to touch on that briefly. If this is something you'd like to talk more about, these are exactly the kinds of conversations that I love to have over coffee, at our church happy hour, uh, over dinner, or over a Zoom call. I mean, just let me know. I love to geek out about this thing. But Mary asks, how can this be? And the angel replies in verse 35, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And so the Holy One born to you will be called the Son of God. 
So Gabriel says, Mary, uh, this isn't going to happen the usual way. Divinely and supernaturally, you are going to bear a child. And in response to receiving this news, Mary answers in verse 38, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. Now, what I love about the story this morning is this. Mary had the audacity to believe that God could do something extraordinary in the world through her. Mary was brave enough to believe that God had chosen her. She was courageously confident that following God's plan for her would result in something incredible. You see, friends, if I am being honest, so often we don't believe that God could do anything special through us. Sure, there's like other people God might like to work through. There's, there's like those special folks that he'll do big things in the world through. I know that I've heard that God has like this plan to redeem the world and he might do it through like these people that follow him and it's like this big mission he has in the world. But you know, God would never choose me, right? I'm nobody. I'm nothing. I'm too stupid. I'm too poor. I'm too ugly. I'm too tainted. I've made too many mistakes. I've wasted way too many years. I mean, sure, God might want to do something big and beautiful in the world that he made, but he would not want to do that through me. You know, just this week, I was on the phone with a dear friend from Chicago, and he reached out because for years, He's been believing, he's been telling himself that he's ineligible to serve God in this deeper way, in this more full way, because of some realities in his life. And we spent like an hour and a half on the phone together deconstructing that lie. And I'm convinced that if Mary were here this morning, if she could like walk in right off of Elm Street and come in through our lobby and down the stairs here, I think she would have a big message to tell us. And she would say, hey, look, friends, God didn't choose me because of my education. I didn't have one. And God didn't choose me because of my wealth. My family was about as poor as you can be. God didn't choose me because of my maturity, Mary would say. She said, I was a teenage girl. And he didn't choose me because of my connections. I mean, nobody knew my name. I was just an ordinary girl, Mary would say, when I said yes after an extraordinary God sent his messenger my way. I mean, Mary could have told the angel, hey, look, like, I'm way too young for this. You need to find someone else. And no one's ever going to believe me about this whole virgin birth thing. I mean, the moms are going to talk about me forever. All their kids are going to overhear them say, like, you can't trust her around my husband. You know, it's like, I'll never be the PTA president. I will never be invited to the cool parties. This so-called good news that you are telling me, I mean, this is going to be the end of me. You're saying it's a great plan, but I really think you should pick someone else. And you should probably try something else. This isn't going to be what you think it is, angel. I mean, Mary could have responded that way, but instead she replied, may your word to me be fulfilled. I mean, may your word to me be fulfilled. I think this is Mary's way of saying, look, I don't get it. And this doesn't make a lot of sense. And it sounds a little terrifying. And yet I'm going to trust that when it's all said and done, like it will be as you say. Something extraordinary will result. A child that you give me changes the whole world. Okay, I can, I can trust that. I can get behind that. Now, I love what Luke records for us next in this account, and I think I probably love it so much because I love 60 Minutes. Like, do you know this CBS show, 60 Minutes? 
Yeah, it's like one of the oldest news magazines on television. I watch it religiously. Just out of curiosity this week, I looked up the average age of a 60 Minutes viewer. Do you have any idea what the average age of a 60 Minutes viewer is? Any guesses? I heard it, 60.7 years old. So I'm proud to say I'm like sinking the average. Uh, but I love 60 Minutes. I mean, I absolutely adore the show. And I think it's because I'm just a sucker for a good interview. Like I love when they sit people down in the chairs and they're looking back over their life. You know, it's some big world changer and they're processing it all and talking about what went well and what could have happened differently and what was the like key difference maker in their life. And I say all that because history tells us that Luke who wrote the text we've been reading this morning, did his homework when he set out to document Jesus's life. And like some other scholars, I'm very convinced that Luke likely did interviews before he wrote his gospel. And because we know Mary was a teenage mom and Jesus died at 33 and then rose again and that changed the whole world, I just have to imagine, and others imagine with me, that it's very, very likely that Luke sat down with Mary to hear her account of her life, which is how he would get the information that we're about to read next. And so in my little mind, I love to imagine it like a 60 Minutes interview, right? And we've got Luke on one side and Mary on the other, and they're sitting across from each other. And I just imagine Luke listening intently as Mary describes what it was like to be a parent to a child so incredible and unique like Jesus. And, you know, they're going back and forth. And as the interview is drawing to a close, I imagine Mary smiling and maybe looking Luke in the eye and saying, you know what, Luke, there is one more thing. There is like this song I wrote right after I got the announcement of Jesus's birth. And I'm telling you, I don't really share it that frequently, but just for you, Luke, I mean, just because we're here and this is a special interview, I want to give you a window into my world. I want to like share with you this deeply personal thing that I have carried with me for years. And whether Mary had somehow written it down or more likely she wasn't that literate, whether it was just something she had memorized and shared from memory from singing it so often, Mary, I believe, gives Luke these words and says, this is my reaction. This is my response to what God has done in my life. And so I want you to hear these words as if they're from both this teenage mom, Mary, right in the moment, and also from a woman who has seen all that she's seen. You know, seeing her oldest son be killed and come back to life and her younger son, James, become a leader in this movement that's launched as a result, right? All that Mary's witnessed in her life and she's telling it to Luke and she said, hey, there's this song I wrote that kind of sums it all up and here's the song. Mary says, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, Mary gets it, all generations will call me blessed, for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He's scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but he has lifted up the humble. He's filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised. 
And when Mary thinks of her life and when she thinks about the impact of the angel's announcement, she recognizes that she's been invited to play this grand role in the grand story of the earth. She's like, it is true what happened. I mean, the baby that was given to me did change the world from generation to generation. People will call me blessed. Mary gets it. And yet... She doesn't seek a bunch of applause or she's not out looking for people to celebrate her. Rather, Mary embraces humility. I mean, I would say today, Mary is an incredible example of humility, of humility. She says, look, God took special notice of me. He saw me when no one else did, and I am so grateful to him. I mean, Mary says, I acknowledge that my uniqueness and my particular responsibility of mothering Jesus, it was never about me at all. It was always just a gift. I mean, a gift, a gift. I mean, Mary reminds us that even when the cards feel stacked against us and when we feel like we have nothing special to give, God sees us and he just might have a plan for us that is beyond what we could imagine. I mean, no one expected anything from Mary, but God showed up and did something big through her. He invited Mary to trust him, even though his plan certainly seemed costly to her reputation. And Mary received God's gift with humility. I mean, without arrogance or pride, with joyful recognition that someone great had decided to do something great in the world through her. Now this morning, I just want you to know this, friend, that God might have a plan for you that you cannot fathom or imagine. I mean, there may be something God's inviting you to do at work, at school, with your friends, at your home, in our city, that like seems incredibly impossible to you right now, but like Mary, you might have the opportunity to humbly embrace what God is nudging you to do in your life and to be part of something astounding and incredible. You might be uh, one who receives this invitation to something new, to something bold, to something courageous as a gift that makes all the difference in the world. I mean, the good news that Mary has to share with us this morning is that you won't regret following God's leading. You won't regret saying yes to his invitation to step out and do something big and bold and beautiful wherever it is that God is calling you. You won't regret it. Mary did not regret it. And again, if she were here this morning, I think she'd say, go for it. Hear the invitation, say yes, and respond. And I think finally that Mary would remind us again that the story of Christmas is truly good news to all people. I mean, to all people. I mean, remember, we began our time this morning by saying that City Church OTR is a church for everyone. And that's true, we are. I mean, there is a place for you here. And this year, we've entitled our Christmas journey together, For Unto Us right? Unto us in this space, unto everyone in this room, there's a good news. There's something that you've been invited to say yes to. I mean, unto us, God did something incredible. Unto us, God showed up in the world he made. He moved into the neighborhood. The creator of the world became part of the world he created to put it all back together so that he could get broken people back on track, so that he could restore our relationship with him and allow us to experience his presence daily and to look more and more like him as we grow. As Mary said, God came into the world and he lifted up the humble and he filled the hungry, and he helped his servants even as he sent the rich away. You see, in so many ways, Mary's story, I believe, friends, is our story. 
her experience of a God who sees beyond human status markers and extends radical grace to ordinary people. I mean, that's what God wants to do for you. And that's what God has done for me. You know, frequently I send like my little messages in the making to a very dear friend of mine. And it was like, hey, Kate, this week I am out of gas. Do you have any ideas for how I can like wrap this up? And she said, Tyler, I know just the story from your past. So as you know, I love to tell high school stories here. Did you know that when I was in high school, uh, I was both valedictorian and student body president? Have I said that before? <laughs> Thank you, let's have a round of applause. No, I'm kidding, I'm totally kidding. Uh, so in high school, I was both valedictorian and student body president. And in our high school, I don't know what things were like at your high school, but that meant that there were like two speeches I could give at graduation, because traditionally, the student body president gave a speech at uh, graduation and the valedictorian gave a speech at graduation. And so as it gets to the end of the year at Carroll High School in Fort Wayne, Indiana, uh, I was called into the assistant principal's office and I think they were feeling me out a bit. You know, they're like, hey Tyler, congrats. You've done a great job. You've had a really, really good time here. It's been a wonderful career. And, and yet as we're planning graduation and putting things in the program, uh, you know, like this whole two speech thing. Is there any way, like, you know, would we shift it around at all? Do you have any ideas? Would we combine it? Would someone else do one? And I said in response, um, as an 18 year old, and I, I don't know, I'm kind of embarrassed by these words, but I meant it at the time. I said, no, thank you, I'll do both. I've earned it. Um, and and uh, I went on uh, to do two speeches at my high school graduation, and they are, both on video, maybe sometimes when we have a screen, we'll share them. Um, but you see, at the time, I thought like I was on top of the world, um, that I was riding high, that I, at the ripe age of 18, had two speeches worth of content uh, to share with the kids in my class and with their families, right? They would like encourage them towards bigger and better living. And now I look back at those years and at how I thought of myself then and at how I thought of others then, and of how I treated my parents then, and of how I did all kinds of stuff that I really wanted to keep secret then. And I think, man, that guy needed help. Uh, he thought it was all going great, but it really was not. I mean, the thing is, I needed and I still need a savior. And I needed and still need a teacher. I needed someone to take care of all the stuff I messed up, and there was plenty of that, and I needed someone to show me a better way. I still need both of those things. And I have both those things because I've met Mary's son. And Abby said it earlier, his name is Jesus. And I believe this morning that Jesus wants to meet with you that Jesus wants to restore you if there's broken things in your life, that Jesus wants to comfort you if there's hurting things in your life, that Jesus wants to challenge you a little bit, nudge you along if there's some things you've been feeling for a while, man, I could do better here, that Jesus wants to grow you gently as he always does with kindness over time. But Jesus never forces his way into anyone's life, right? And just like Mary taught us, the only way to receive him is with humility. And so now together, we have the opportunity to do just that. I mean, in a few moments, the band's gonna come and play, and we're gonna do something that I love around here. We have these things, I mean, we used to call it like choose your own adventure, and 
thing. Um, and we could come up with a better name, but I kind of love it. It's basically a way to reflect that we know after hearing words from scripture, there's usually individual responses that look different for every person in this room. And so we just love to create an open space for people to meet with God in the way that they need to meet with God. And so here's some of the options. We have sitting in these beautiful chairs from the Shakespeare Theater, um, little containers of our individual communion cups. And so maybe you remember this humble meal that Jesus introduced before he left, a meal that's just broken bread and juice that reflects his body broken for us and his blood spilled on our behalf. Jesus said, this is a meal for those who follow me to remember my sacrifice for them. So maybe in this time, you wanna make your way back to one of those chairs and just grab a little cup and you could eat the bread and drink the juice on your own or with others who you came with as a way of remembering Christ's sacrifice for you. Or maybe you need some time to pray. You know, the week is so busy. 2020 has been an absolute bear. Christmas season, everything's ramping up. There's so much to do. I don't get any quiet time to pray. Well, there's space here to pray. In fact, there's people that would love to pray for you behind these little sound panel walls and these so-called prayer rooms that we've made. It's so nice, but sincerely, if you want someone to pray with you, you have the opportunity now, and why not take it? I mean, it could be a humble step to walk back and ask someone to pray for you this morning, but maybe that's what you need to do. You can pray at your seat. You can join the band in song. You can listen to see, hey, God, I know Tyler said maybe there's some steps I need to take uh, to join the work that you want to do. You could like try to reflect and see if there's any of those things. But what you have now is a beautiful opportunity to have some quiet time on yourself and some quiet time with the Lord, to take some steps of faith, to seek him, and to grow as he leads you. Remember, Mary's model to us is that humility saying, hey, I'm not everything. I actually need some help. I mean, it's a great example from her. This could be an awesome time to humbly seek God and say, what is it you're trying to do in my life? What is my next step? How can I move closer to you, Jesus, in this Christmas season? So I'm going to create that space now. We've got it set up and let's all take those bold steps of faith together.